0: Welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. I'm Dane Wallace, here once again with Freya Spence, and today we welcome to the show Mr. Owen Lacey to discuss nutritional medicine. Owen is a sport performance and functional medicine consultant from Malahide, Ireland, just outside of Dublin. With a background in physical therapy, corrective exercise, and advanced strength and conditioning, he started his career in the health industry in 1996. Together with John Connor and Stephen Ward, Owen founded the Irish Strength Institute in 2004, which is now the largest chain of personal training and nutrition centers in Ireland. With Owen's love of continuous education and presenting, he now travels the world giving workshops, presentations, and seminars on a wide range of health, fitness, and nutrition topics. In today's podcast, we talk to Owen about everything from calories to protein and sleep to detoxification. If you're working to improve your health and nutrition, we've got you covered over the next 60 minutes on episode 43 of the Move Daily Health Podcast. Enjoy. All right, Owen. Well, welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing good. doing good. Excellent. And uh, Ireland is beautiful, lush and green and quiet these days? You yeah, know,
2: actually, the, the weather the last, last few weeks has been, have been pretty good. So I spent most of it in the back garden with my daughter playing. So, yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been good.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man. You're lucky you have a garden. We, uh, you know, in our urban sprawl here in Toronto, we're right next to a construction site. so uh, And we don't have a backyard. So I, I'm super jealous of anybody out
2: there who has a garden they can go play in these days on the lockdown front. Yeah, definitely for sure. We we get up every morning. We go out. We do a bit of grounding in, in the back garden, um. And I have to come up with some sort of game to keep her entertained. So, although it's a bit of a hassle to keep the garden clean, it it's a godsend to have that space that you can get out and just clear your head in the morning. It's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. These days, outdoor space is uh, at a premium. So anyway, uh, you uh, you started your career in fitness and leisure management, I believe, and then moved into personal training. And now you're a pretty well-known health and performance consultant uh, with a big emphasis on nutrition and lifestyle. So in other words, for our listeners out there, a man of many skills. Um, so what were some of the key drivers that led you down this path to where you are today?
2: It's it's funny you ask that question. I'm in the process of of, of writing a book. And the first part I had to write about was about my journey and it's, I haven't thought about it in a long time, so it's 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 fresh in my brain now, so I'll fill you in quickly. Perfect. I decided when I left school that I wanted to do a job I actually enjoyed, rather than going into a career that was going to be monotonous. So I ended up, I um, actually applied to go to the army to, to work as an electrician in the army at 16, but you had to give eight years and eight years of a commitment for a 16 year old was too much. So... I end up going into fitness. So I had, I just finished my over in Ireland. We have the leave insert. So you have that and then you have three months of summer holidays and then you start college. So when I applied to college, um, I got accepted and I went to the nearest gym to my house, and um, which was quite big at the time. Um, and I applied for a job and, and the guy says, well, you've got accepted at the college. You have no qualifications. I said, well, I will have them at the end of the time. So he gave me a job as a leisure attendant. And a leisure attendant, if anyone knows, is someone that cleans equipment and occasionally does a kid's class. So that's that's what I, that's where I started off. But as as the years progressed, and while I was in college, my roles increased. So you you do a kids' class, you would do the gym maintenance, then you start doing assessment, and then you would at a 16-year-old guy pinching 30 or 40-year-old females, it was out of my comfort zone to say the least. <laughs> and then you would take a spinning class and you take the spinning class with fifty or sixty people, and you're sixteen. You don't know don't know your arse from your elbow. So it was it was a challenging career, but because I was so young and thrown in the deep end, I progressed relatively fast. And from there, that gym was the biggest gym in Ireland at at the time. Another gym opened up in Dublin, which was huge. We, it was a fifty meter swim pool. It was six studios and a lot of the same classes that you guys would have in Good Life, uh, Les Mills, Body Training Systems. So I moved down there and I worked there for a number of years as a gym manager and again still relatively young to be a gym manager which which was a big eye opener for me but my major thing was that people come into gyms, they do their spinning classes, they do their body pump classes and they're trying their best to get healthy and improve their health and well-being but if all you have is a hammer everything's a nail so they're not looking at their lifestyle. They're not looking at their the mechanics. They're not looking at their, their work life balance. They're not looking at the stress that they're, they're under. And there's too many, too much of a disjointed approach. All we wanted from a gym point of view was was membership. All our managers wanted was more members, more members, more members. But it was never anything about more results or better atmosphere in the gym. There's ne- never really like a better customer care, better experience, a better you know. Health enhancing experience for for the members, and that's why I decided that it wasn't going to be for me. And that's when I went down the road of studying physical therapy, went to college to study physical therapy, and then when I finished that, I realized that the gym business wasn't for me. I'm going to have to open my own thing. So, and that's when I developed my own um, gym called the Irish Strength Institute. And I was lucky enough to work with Charles Polican for a number of years, traveling, teaching with him. So all the knowledge I got from Charles and all the knowledge from physical therapy and from training so many people, I realized that the one model doesn't fit everybody. You need to have an approach to suit, to suit the whole plethora of people. And, and one of the things that we talk a lot about on our, our courses is not everybody's reason for training is the same. So in my opinion, there's about five major reasons why people exercise. One is for fun. It's okay to have fun and exercise. People feel like you have, to, you have to be in sweating buckets and killing yourself. No, you can just participate in exercise for fun. Next thing is you can do it for, for headspace. Headspace is brilliant, particularly now. I see people around my neighborhood and my, my area that would never be involved in exercise. They're out walking every single day. They realize the value of, of getting that headspace, of getting that out in the environment, getting some fresh air. The next is people that are participating in the sport. I train a lot of athletes and they train really hard in the gym purely for the love of their sport, whether it be MMA or rugby. But they're doing it for a reason. Then you have people that are just doing it for competition. They want to improve their recreational golf game or tennis game, whatever it may be. So a lot of people are doing training and the reason behind it is very different. And the last one, number five there, is, is people want to drop body fat. So a lot of times people try to blur the lines. They're trying to have fun and get the best benefit from training. I, I think people should decide what they want from each training. But By all means, you can have fun exercising. But commercial gyms, in my eyes, is all about membership. So that's why I decided to do my own thing when it came, came to the Australian Institute. We focus on nutrition, training. Again, it's also a lot of headspace involved in it. But we look, look at the whole person, the whole picture, and what we can do for the people. So that's my summary our journey in a nutshell
0: that's a great nutshell <laughs> now you currently also run an online platform um own Lacey education what were the driving forces behind this
2: well firstly i'm not working so i'm out of work i had to close all, all our gyms and all our clinics down since the 11th of, of april I've never, and this is going to sound terrible to the people out there online, I've never been a a huge fan of online courses. And the reason being is, I like to sit down with someone, I like to talk to them, I like to hear what their questions are, I like to make sure that any course I'm teaching, I adapt them to suit the people in front of me. But I realized the world evolved, and particularly with this situation that we're in at the moment, the best way I could share the content with the people that were looking to get the information was to put something online. And this is the thing, if, like you guys go to courses all the time or you used to when you weren't on lockdown. But when you go to a course, it, it, it's time away from your family. It's time away from your kids. It's time away from work. It's an investment in, in money on the course and then also expense to get there. Where if you have an online course, people can do it at their own pace. They can don't have to travel away. They can spend time with their family, their kids. They can invest in their in other aspects of their life. So for me, I thought the online platform was an ideal way of of giving, uh, hopefully in my eyes, the best information they can to people, but at a lower price and then it can sort of help them during this challenging time to, to develop their business to be more robust and resilient and having the flexibility to tailor different areas of their business. So when we do get out of this situation that they they have a different toolbox or a different tool in their toolbox or even a different viewpoint that it's not all about reps and sets, there's so much more to this industry than than, than, than doing reps my, my brother, he's, he's a very funny guy, he actually looks like Russell Brand but uh, at my wedding he said, oh, I can summarise Owen's job in two sentences uh, do 12 reps, don't eat bread so there's much more to this job than just not eating certain foods and doing 12 reps. I think the more knowledge we get as professionals, the better the service we can give to our clients. And in my opinion, the clients are the most important team. People are always trying to fit their training style or their nutrition style on clients. Where It's not what it's about. It's about fitting whatever that client wants and putting a personalized plan for them together. And some people are not gym guys. Like I remember getting stats. From good life on on the average uh, uh, gym membership in the whole of Canada, we recently got some stats in Ireland. Have how many people? Six percent of Irish people are members of gyms in Ireland. So, there's, there's, that's not a huge amount, but there's more private bespoke gyms in Ireland than there is in anywhere else in Europe, which is something that I was unaware of. So the reason being is people in Ireland are not happy with the service and with the the expertise given to them by commercial gyms, which is why so many bespoke or smaller gyms have opened to tailor towards a service that's better designed for uh, people's results. And, and, and unfortunately, I think the more we're in a lockdown, the less we can help people. So that's why the online platform is sort of bridging the gap, if you want.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. We uh, felt pretty fortunate when this whole process went down just because our business, we have been... Making it more and more accessible to remote clients over the past few years, um, just because of kind of all all the things that you just mentioned, it's you can reach more people help more people all over the place, they don't have to be geographically located, they can save money. Uh, There's just a lot of positives to working with somebody online. And further to your point where you just mentioned that, you know, some of the people in Ireland are not super happy with the service they're getting. And we have these coaches out there who are kind of cramming their own beliefs down on their clients. I mean, we had somebody reach out to us yesterday who she just mentioned that she was working with a coach for the past seven months and he was forcing her to eat, you know, a bunch of meat like four times a day and then having protein shakes with MCT oil to meet her fat macros. And over the course of seven months, she gained 14 pounds. And it's just one of those things where there's you know, we we need to have better practitioners have more access to more people across the world, and I think that having this remote model really really helps for that. So,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely. I, ha- I got a job recently consulting for a, a new gym chain in Saudi Arabia. I'd never been there before, but in a place called uh, Jeddah. So I was over there a couple of months ago. It was December. Sorry, December was over there. And this girl comes to see me for a, she's on the course and she says, "Look, Owen, I'm on this diet from a, an online coach. Can you have a look at it?" So I'm looking through it, and she's having a lot of digestive problems, but she's having four whey protein shakes a day. So I, I'm not saying that this online coach didn't know what he was doing, but I'm sort of saying that a little bit. But no, no, I'm, he
0: didn't know what he was doing. on. Yeah, no, <laughs> <like that.
2: laughs> but this is the thing. I, I'm pretty sure that this guy is is cutting and pacing a, a diet that had this hit all the macros. it hit all the the the, the Calories that the person wanted. But that's not, and this is the thing, I had this debate the whole time. A calorie isn't a calorie. And also, the body does not know what a calorie is. At no point in any textbook you'll ever look at a nutrition will it say one calorie went into the cell and it made X amount of, of uh, molecules of ATP. That's not what happens. A calorie is is, is a unit of measurement that we came up with. They try to simplify nutrition. And guess what? You cannot simplify it. A calorie is not a calorie. So it doesn't work that way in the body. We measure it from a food point of view. But someone's digestive capabilities, pancreatic function, energy status, how well they slept, their mood, their libido, everything will impact someone's utilization of food to eat. What, what calorie c- concentrations in the food? is important, but we don't metabolize calories, we metabolize food which is so different, so when I see stuff like this, I just see a disconnect with, with what is, unfortunately in Ireland when people go online coaching they use the same program for everybody and try to get more clients and it's about trying to get more revenue necessary than being a better coach online coaching i think is a phenomenal thing to add on to your business to support but like any tool it needs to be designed to give the best service possible not just to saturate the market with a the standard approaches that work for some people that are not going to work for everybody. And being online, I think we're in a position we can modify it to suit people's demands. We can use remote monitoring. I got a few of my clients, the new bands, so I can see what they're doing. I use Aura Ring. So there's loads of different things you can add on, on top of your online coaching to make it a better service. But unfortunately, this cutting and pasting standard approach is, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's crap.
0: Yeah. Well, we encountered that a fair bit and that's partly why we didn't even do remote coaching until a couple of years ago and technology made it easier to actually still really interact heavily with our clients um, through video feedback or even live virtual sessions, which is what we're doing now. Although nothing will replace in-person coaching and you hit the nail on the head in terms of a lot of online coaching is actually just a way for people to increase their like to capitalize on just trying to use it as a factory to push people through whereas you know our belief and model of it is more that the people who are online with us are it's because they're outside of the city and we interact with them just as much as we would if they were in person but the biggest problem that we run into is that belief that they, like they've been fed that belief of like cookie cutter workouts must be in the gym this many times a week or must eat this many macros and so on. And that alone, I think, creates a tremendous amount of stress in someone when they think that health has to be this really rigid and um, imposing and, you know, perhaps even insufferable process. So on the topic of stress, one of the key things like I cannot remember when the first course I took was that I I don't remember. It was years ago, five, six, seven years ago. I don't know. But one of the biggest things you, you stressed in that course was that stress relies on adequate protein intake in order to recover from. And also most notably the sentence stress eats your bum, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that just like stuck, uh, which is funny, but can you speak to why, stress management is so important and then also just notably for anyone who has a high stress lifestyle or is you know adjusting to the current environment what they can do to help manage that from a nutritional perspective
2: okay so that's a big question so here's one for you so i I did a job um i sound like i'm dropping foreign countries names just for fun here but i was i was in azerbaijan and and i was asked to speak to this vice president of of, the of the bank I meet up with this guy we're sitting down doing a consultation and he says to me he says Owen have you ever cooked a frog? and I was like where the hell is this conversation going? I said how you cook a frog Owen is you put a a frog in cold water and you heat her up over time and the frog will stay in the water and he will, he will die. So too many people are in life now and stress has just grown on them. But they put up with it. And then they get a bit more stress and they put up with it. And then they get a new task or a new target or a new department and they put up with it. Then they have a child and they their commute gets a bit longer because the office changes. All this stress just builds up on people. And unfortunately, if I was to stab you with a knife, if I was to cough on you, if I was to insult you, if I was to stress you out, hormonally the body responds the very same way to any one of those stress is on the body even if you're now thinking about when you could go back to work that's a stress to the body the body doesn't perceive whether it's actually real or not it's still a stress to the body and unfortunately a lot of people they're 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 trying to and this is another thing that sort of gets on my wick people are trying to biohack themselves and you know put up with more ability to manage more stress no you're not trying to improve your body's ability to manage more stress you're trying to improve your body's resilience of what is actually stressful and what's not stressful and a lot of people put a lot of things on the plate that is they don't necessarily need to do so building a a a program or a a daily routine or a week plan of, of managing what you have to do and allows you to focus on some aspects and then not to necessarily Focus on the negatives, the things that you can't control. A friend of mine once says, you only have a problem if you have a solution. If you don't have a solution, then well, you don't have a problem. So when it comes to stress management, for me, I like to identify what is, what is zapping your energy. So you like to think of it as your, as your mobile phone. All the different stresses in your life are like apps in your phone. They're going to drain your battery. And sometimes we spend a lot of time doing jobs and stuff that zap our batteries and and don't allow us to do what we need to do on a day-to-day basis. So for me, one of the biggest things that I I focus on to start off is, and let's use the phone as an example, we need to recharge our phone. We need a good charger in order for our phone to have 100% charge to do whatever that phone needs to do. So no matter what stresses you have in your life, job, kids, mortgage, or whatever it is, if you're going into every single day at 40%, you cannot function. So sleep has to be corrected first. So you can talk about all the fancy supplements, all the fancy training, but if you're not getting deep, restorative, regenerative sleep at night time, no matter what you do during the daytime is going to be impacted. So my first protocol, my first, if you want to call it the lowest hanging fruit, is to do with sleep, the sleep routine. So you can ask clients if they've ever done a, a fancy program, they'll all say yes. Ever done a fancy diet? They say yes. But have you ever devoted 14 days to really refining your sleep? And the answer, to, I guess, of most people is no. So we address that force. We get the sleep sorted of force. And everything, no matter what it is, you will manage it much better. Then, that's number one. The second thing we do is, then we focus on what I call the health bank account lodgements. So there's five things, only five things that we can do to give our body energy to give give us a give us a lodging or our health bank account the first one is sleep the second one is quality air we need to make sure we're breathing good quality air and the room we spend the most amount of time on in our life is our bedroom so i strongly suggest people particularly in the in the city to have some sort of filter air filter in the bedroom the next one then is water we need to be drinking enough water i cannot stress you how dehydrated my clients are when they come in they're drinking caffeine constantly and that not only stresses the adrenal glands but it puts us in, into more of a sympathetic dominance for the whole day So, and that's not what we're looking for And the reason why people are reaching for caffeine is one they haven't got enough quality sleep and they're looking for a boost and two is that they, they want their energy to stay higher in the daytime because they, again they haven't had the nutritional or the hydration status to, to keep it up high uh, the next two things there are macronutrients and micronutrients. So we have sleep, air, water, macronutrients, and micronutrients. And these are my four, five key approaches that I, that I give for everybody. I don't track people's calories to start off. I don't necessarily get people to eat, drink two liters of water a day. If you drink half a liter of water today and you go to drinking two liters tomorrow, you'll spend most of the day in the bathroom. The body is very clever and it will only regulate your water if you gradually increase it by maybe one glass every single day. So my first approach is to get sleep going, and then to tick the boxes of other four as the as the consultations go on. Then what we like to try and do is we find out what is stressing the client. Is it work? Is it exercise? Is it is it uh, an infection? Is it is it is it a, a medical issue? And then we address those as we go along. But these five key fundamentals are my initial approach to, to start people off. And once we get them working correctly, then we can add in the maybe the vitamin C for the immune system. Or maybe it's the vitamin D for anti-inflammation and immune regulation. Maybe it could be magnesium deficiency. We address that. But a lot of times people jump into melatonin or jump into some sort of stimulant, thinking that that's going to help them out. If You, you can't build a house if you don't have the foundations. And these five key components are the foundation. And I didn't make them up. These, these, these are just the laws, and when you have them in place, that's when everything else improves much better.
0: We're sort of chuckling, Owen, um, because we have a we have an air filter. And then we also have water filters like Berkey water filters that take everything out. And when we tell people that, and we place a heavy emphasis on sleep to the point where my bedroom is probably the most expensive room in the house. But when we tell people those things, they often just overlook them because they're so obvious and we've taken them for granted, like water comes out of the tap. People feel safe to have that or they just pop it in like a Brita filter. But the validity behind cleaning up those things, especially if people are in a really big city, like our water system's overloaded. There's construction all the time. There's no way it's clean. And nor, like neither is our air as a result of that. So it's great that you touched on those because a lot of people just kind of shake their heads at us being like, oh, no, those are fine. I've had them this way my whole life.
2: Yeah, you know, and that, this is the thing. Like I, I talk a lot about detox to people, and we have a lot of different detox plans that we do, and we can help draw uh, dry out heavy metals and mercury and milk thistle and this calcium, the glucose, the and all these fancy chelators. And then I test people, and they're dehydrated. So if I give you all the special supplements in the world to draw toxins out of the body, then it goes down to the kidneys to get either weed out, and then you're dehydrated. You'll reabsorb them. If I give you all these chelating and, and, and agents to get rid of heavy metals from the body and then you go to poo it out, but you're constipated, you've got leaky gut, But it's just going to be reabsorbed. So people are, are, are they're putting the horse before the cart. And I know, I know it's, it's not fancy get some sleep, but this is the thing I challenge. And I actually, I'll, I'll, I have a video on sleep, but I'll be happy to send it to your listeners. You can watch it for free about how to improve your sleep. But you give yourself 14 days of improving your sleep. Not only from a circadian clock resetting point of view, but from a from a pancreatic point of view. So let, let's look at it this way. So when you go to bed at nighttime, you each sleep cycle you have lasts roughly around ninety minutes. Now, when the body goes through physical restoration, most of the mental restoration get, takes place in deep sleep. And every consecutive sleep cycle you have, you get longer and deeper sleep for for restoration for your brain and inside your brain you have what's called the glymphatic system it's like having a massage or a shampoo for your brain the neurons shrink by up to 40% your cerebrospinal fluid goes around your brain and sort of gets rid of all the debris cleans out all the rubbish gives your, your head a massage or a shampoo then the next day you revitalize you refocus your cognition is high and then you can you can manage the next day the problem is too many people have broken sleep so they're waking up feeling oh I feel like crap. It takes some ages before they get going in the morning. And in the morning we have what's called your car, your cortisol awakening response. And your cortisol awakening response is the is the peak of your cortisol at from zero seconds of waking up to 30 minutes to 60 minutes. And we want that to be a nice high curve. But too many people are, are dragging themselves out of bed prepping themselves up with coffee and then going about their day now yes that's okay sometimes to be tired but that's happening every single day it's a sign you're not getting deep sleep you're not getting your restoration and you're actually aging yourself and that's not what we're looking for so by getting deep sleep we can reset that give yourself 14 days you'll be waking up without an alarm clock which is what we should be doing without an alarm clock and then a cortisol awakening response is optimal in the morning and that key hour awakening if you can really energize yourself naturally within that first hour of waking up that sets the stage for your whole sleep so when you go to bed at night time you're in a nice low level of cortisol and you can get to deep sleep it, it can happen all over again but in my opinion too many people are focusing on, on the wrong component but sleep can't be overlooked how powerful it is for your whole body is, is immense and just one one last thing there we put a lot of blood glucose monitors on our clients in the clinic and when you go to bed at nighttime and you get into deep sleep, your pancreas says, OK, the body's done all its jobs. Now I'm sort of free to do my own job. I'm going to make some insulin and have it here in my, the bed of cells of my pancreas for when Owen eats breakfast in the morning. And then I wake up, I eat breakfast. The body says, hey, here's some insulin that I made over, over the nighttime. You can use it right now to keep our blood sugar in control. Brilliant. But what happens is if you've had broken sleep throughout the night, your pancreas hasn't had that job to make that insulin. And the release of insulin from your better cells when it's already stored insulin is called first phase insulin response. It's the release of insulin that's stored in your pancreas. But if I have broken sleep, I wake up, what do I want to eat? If I woke up and I'm under stress, some sort of cereal, something sugary just to get myself going in the morning. I have this sugary cereal. The pancreas says, oh sugar, I forgot to make any insulin. I better make it now. And it's trying to catch up on itself. But while I'm trying to make this insulin, in order to release to the control of my blood sugar, what's happening? My blood sugar is going up. And this tsunami of a wave of blood sugar will cause a, a metabolic cascade for the whole day. So by, only, by sleeping better, your blood sugar is better. So even if I was to eat a good breakfast, if I eat a good breakfast, my metabolism will respond to it differently based off how well I slept. The, my pancreatic function, my instant sensitivity, my blood sugar control is all down to how well I slept. So people are saying I'm eating the best diet in the world. I don't care if your sleep is terrible. So it people are, are, are focused on the wrong component, how well we sleep at night dictates how well our body works in the daytime.
1: Yeah. You just said about a hundred different things that I'd like to jump off and discuss detail. So uh, I'm just going to slow you down a second. So, so detox, let's just, let's just start there. Detox is a huge buzzword Mm -hmm. in the health and fitness industry. And it's just, it keeps holding on. And in most cases, it's like Instagram influencers talking about detox teas and all that other crap. So helping people optimize the actual detoxification capabilities of their own bodies is a very different story. And that's what you're talking about. And so if I can understand is sleep and improving sleep, the number one way to increase the detoxification capabilities of the body, or are there other things that you would suggest you doing as well?
2: The the five things, sleep, water, air, macro, and micronutrients are, are, the, are the fundamental for detoxification. And what I would say is, I hear people, again, on social media talking heavily about detoxification. There's one thing that they're missing. Detoxification does not take place until it has, has left the body. So but a lot of times people are taking stuff to help get rid of, of toxins from the body. But that's only what's called a biotransformation. When you change the form of something. So a lot of times toxins that are stored in the body are, are fat soluble. And it's the job of the detoxification process, is phase zero to phase three, to make it water soluble so we can get rid of it either through sweat, uh, urine, or through feces. But the problem is, people are constipated, they're not going to the bathroom regularly, and they're dehydrated. So by not preparing the exits, before we immobilize toxins, we're doing ourselves an injustice. And if you ask somebody to start to detoxify and they actually liberate more toxins, but they don't let them get out of the body, you can actually cause more problems. So particularly our body is, is very clever. So there's one tissue in our body that has an infinite amount of hypertrophy capabilities and that's fat tissues. You see on television now a 500 pound guy or a 1000 pound guy, big man or woman, massively overweight. The body can, can grow adipocytes to keep you alive. And that's what the body does. The body on a daily basis, all it cares about is keeping you alive. It doesn't care how big your bicep is. It doesn't care how you can see your abs. All it cares about is keeping you alive right now. So when people are eating excessive calories and they, they can't store them correctly or they can't get, utilize them correctly, they'll, they'll it'll grow fat tissue to store it. And then what happens is when we have all this fat tissue, it accumulates not only excess energy, but also excess toxins. So we take a detoxification tea or we take a detoxification milk thistle or something like that. It starts to try to extract the toxins, but it's it's taken out of the fat tissue. But it can't leave the body because we still have the problems with dehydration or we still have the problems with with, uh, gastrointestinal tract. So now we have this toxin going around the body and unfortunately can go to other areas other fat-soluble areas like the neural tissue, and that can cause a massive amount of problems. It can get into the brain and cause huge issues. So in my opinion, we should not go near any form of detoxification until we've opened the door so they actually can get out when we do immobilism.
0: Mm-hmm. This brings to mind something I learned from one of your courses about uh, discussing juice cleanses that were quite popular at the mm-hmm. time and that they yeah. did not, I mean, granted, people would get sufficient hydration in those cleanses, but they didn't in large part contain even enough protein to go through all phases of detoxification. So that alone created more toxicity within the body. Can you discuss yeah. a little bit of, like the protein impact in there?
2: Yeah. So, 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 Detoxification. Dr. Brian Walsh, a good friend of mine, he's got tons of research online when it comes to detox. So I'm, I'm going to bastardize his his information <laughs> by summarizing it. So we have phase three, ph- sorry, phase zero for us, which brings a toxin, a fat-soluble toxin inside the cell. And we have phase one detoxification, which is heavily involved reduction in hydrolysis, but that's not so important. What we do is we normally go through a cytochrome P450 enzyme, which is, based on vitamin or mineral, mainly a B vitamin in phase one. Then what we do is we, we optimally move from phase one into phase two. And phase two is a, it's a conjugation pathway. Where we add an amino acid onto it. We add a glycine onto it, or we add a taurine onto it, or, or we add glutathione onto it. So phase zero comes inside, inside the cell. Phase one is heavily vitamin and mineral dependent with the cytochrome P450 enzymes. Then we bring it over to phase two, which tends to be where we put an amino acid onto it. And then phase three is where we get it out of the cell. And now it is water-soluble. We can get rid of it. So I think you guys might have remembered the analogy that I use is, imagine you have a, a guy who's drunk in a bar, okay? And he's in the bar. He's inside the bar now. He's gone through phase zero. He's in the bar and he's he's drunk. He's, he's He can cause a bit of damage. So phase one is we put one bouncer onto him. And the, the first bouncer, I like to think of it as a, a B, B, B vitamin bouncer. But I, I'm a rowdy, drunk guy, and a bouncer grabs onto me. I can actually be quite reactive then. So it's important that I have my second bouncer, which is amino acid that grabs onto the toxin. So now I have one, a phase one enzyme, and I have a phase two uh, amino acid onto the toxin, and then I can get rid of the I can get rid of the toxin out of the cell. So that's ultimately how it, how it works. But if, if you just have loads of vitamins and minerals and no amino acids, you're actually adding loads of bounces one bouncer on the toxins and that actually makes them more reactive not always but it can be more reactive so a detoxification program that doesn't have protein in it is moronic it actually causes more toxin build up in the body and more reaction in the body so all your immune soldiers are protein soldiers all your detoxification processes need amino acids need essential amino acids they're not called essential for no reason we we need them And actually, the top two is glycine and taurine. They're very beneficial. Glycine can help with bile acids. Glycine can help with creatine formation. It can also help with glutathione formation. So for me, I want to make sure that the gut is working correctly. People are going to the bathroom uh, on a regular basis. And then I'll start to liberate some toxins. But not before then with sufficient protein supply.
1: And that's why you're such a great educator, Owen, because you make things real for
2: people with your great analogies well that obviously because you've been drunk in a bar before you got drawn out by bouncers maybe that's why you <laughs> let's not point fingers here you're irate yeah okay.
1: uh, yeah probably go back yeah. and forth on that one <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I, actually I, actually i was in canada and this is the only the only time in my life i was ever asked to leave a bar was in a place called filthy mcnasty's i was in a i'm not i'm not gonna lie to you i was i was at the bar drinking with my uh my my business uh a partner John Connor and his his grandmother passed away about a week before we went away to Toronto and we're at the bar we literally just walked into the bar we're sitting there and John got upset and the barman said you've had enough guys you have to leave and we're like bro we're Irish first of all and second of all his, his grandmother he's not crying because he's drunk They said no you have to leave It was like filthy McNassies uh, yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, we we'll was something in common then. Cause I've definitely been kicked out by filthy filthy nasties too. So uh, <laughs> that's excellent. Um, so just, just kind of going for a little bit further with that point on the protein and the juice cleanses and that, um, when it comes to veganism and plant-based diets and detoxification, are there
2: any challenges there? Well, th- This is the thing. I have, I have no problem with people steering away from eating meat or going on any, any form of diet they want whatsoever. The only issue that I would say is if you're going to go on any diet that doesn't involve meat, you need to get your bloods tested. You just need to. So you need to know where your amino acid status is. You need to know where your iron and your B12 status is. And once you address them and you keep them in check, there's, there's no problem at all. You may need to add in certain amino acids, which I've done for a lot of clients. But my only issue is you can't go on, on a vegan diet or a pure plant-based diet unless you get some sort of testing done because you're you're guessing then you're guessing and vegetables are particularly hard to digest. Some people do it quite efficiently, but some people don't. So you could be going on, you could be anaemic, or you could be, you know, amino acid deficient and not realising it. So not that you have to eat meat, but my opinion is you need to make sure you're getting all your macronutrients and micronutrients. Where you get them from, I'm going to leave that up to you, but you need to test to know what you are. So in my opinion, just stop guessing it. get an organic acid test done or get a blood test done and see where your levels are and then address the deficiencies if you have any, you know?
1: Yeah, that's something that I find there's a big misconception about um, these days, especially since stuff like Game Changers has come out where I'll have, you know, people approaching us and speaking with me about nutrition and they'll say, you know what, I feel, I feel heavy and my digestion's off. So I'm going to cut out meat. I'm going to go plant-based, but they've got all this processed food in there, high, you know, high wheat, high gluten, and then all these hard to digest vegetables in there as well. And it's like taking out the meat like you're doing that just because you've, you know, you've seen the documentary or you've heard that quote unquote plant based is a healthier option. Um, and I just think that's a that's something that's happening more and more and it's putting people a little bit deeper into the hole sometimes.
2: No, I def- definitely agree. I did a podcast with a friend of mine and he brought up the game changer and we we talked at length about it. The fact is it's it, the documentary is flawed on, on many different levels. Lane Norton did a quite a good um breakdown of it but the fact is no one's going to take your blood and show it to you say oh look it looks all cloudy no that's not a scientific way of showing the blood is full of triglycerides that's that's not it at all but what i would say is quality of food is quality of food whether you're on a carnivore diet keto diet plant-based diet you need to be eating quality food processed food has no place in any human so If people eat processed food every now and again, I've no problem with that. But if processed food is a staple of your diet, well, then you're doomed to fail no matter what you do. So I do agree that people tend to eat too much processed meat. Processed meat, I think, is crap food too. But if you're going to eat good, organic, grass-fed, you know, protein, you can digest it well, I think that's ideal. The same goes for vegetables. People are eating processed cereals, as you said, gluten, a lot of dairy, and they're saying, oh, well, I'm not eating any animals, but I'm, I, I, my digestion is killing me. You know, so it's there's a multitude of factors that have to be taken into consideration. And the general rule of thumb I say to people is just stop guessing, get a blood test done. Your, how well you feel is not a good indication of what, how well your metabolism is going. Unless you have a direct line to your liver or your direct line to your pancreas. I don't think you, you're, you're the best person to say um, whether this diet is suiting you or not. Yes, you might feel better because you've you've stopped eating sausages or or, or hamburgers, but that's just because you're getting more antioxidant to the body. You may have a bit more fiber, which I think people don't eat enough of. But again, what how how someone transitions over three months is not what's going to you know the outcome after twelve months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I like to have clients like list, you know, write down their foods for me, like in a, in, in a day over the course of a week, write down, you know, like what meats are you eating? What processed foods you're eating? What vegetables are you eating? You know, what are the chronic foods that you're eating every single day? Because it's one thing for me to, you know, say something to a client about, oh, you're you're eating X too much. But when they actually list it down, and they realize that they're eating, you know, wheat based products, you know, 50% of the time, it can yeah. really open the eyes.
2: Yeah, you know what? And this is the thing. I um I had Lane Norton in in, in this gym a few, a few years ago, and he's a big if it fits your macros guy. So the guys, the younger guys on, on the team, really wanted to hear him speak. So when when he was in Ireland, and I reached out to him, he's involved in in the in the same organization I'm involved in. So he said, "Yeah, no problem, I'll come to the gym." And I was expecting this guy to be, "Oh, if it fits your macros, this, this, this." And then when he came, I asked him all these questions. He just said, "It depends." Every question I ask them, pretty much the answer was, it depends on the person. So a lot of people are are, are following these diets, but it depends on on the person, their digestion, their, their genetic background, how well their liver functions, all these other things you need to look, look into. So it's not just, we know it, it's a one-size-fits-all, it has to be unique to the individual.
1: You know? Yeah, 100%. Um, so just kind of backtracking towards uh, sleep a little bit and even getting into uh, fasting, Um, so one of the things that we found pretty effective for people who have digestive issues, um, or fatigue issues is to do a bit of time restricted eating. So to cut off dinner earlier in the evening, um, to give the digestive system a little bit more time to, you know, relax, restore, repair overnight before they have breakfast in the morning. Is this something you ever use in your practice?
2: Yeah. And that's the funny thing you just mentioned there about, um, food diary when people fill in their food diary i don't give anybody any nutritional recommendation until i've seen a food diary so when we talk about macronutrients i can't give someone a macronutrient breakdown unless i know what they've been eating but when you see someone's food diary people are consuming much more food than they're actually really aware of so when i get a food diary and i see people snacking on this and a snacking on this it really gives me a window, an eye opener into what's going on in their, in their in their life now when it comes to intermittent fasting i, I actually do think it can be very beneficial for people and for multiple reasons first reason is it takes the decision away from somebody if i say to you at seven o'clock you have to stop eating or six p.m you can't stop you can't you can't eat anything else the decision is done so they're not opening the fridge and having to make a decision they get that decision, decision fatigue that way by, by cutting them off in a certain time frame it's very beneficial from a habit change next of all we have a process in our body called the migrating motor complex and the migrating motor complex is be- very simply put, like imagine your your digestive system was a straw from your mouth to your bone. Um, every two hours, your body gets squeezed from your, the top of the straw to the bottom of the straw. And it keeps everything moving in the right direction. That parastalsis effect takes place every every two hours. But if you consume food, you stop that. And sometimes people... If that's stopped down, people can have what's called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. They can have dysbiosis. They can have reflux. A lot of different issues. So intermittent fasting allows that cleaning process. You can imagine like a brush. Every two hours, you get a brush from your mouth all the way down, and it keeps everything moving. And intermittent fasting helps that. The next thing that I really like about intermittent fasting is we've all heard of autophagy and program cell death and when, when cells are formed. But well, what one thing that, that intermittent fasting does very well, inside your inside your, your cells you have a I like to think about the factory, you have your mitochondria. And these factories what they do is they get delivered nutrients, they process it and they, they make energy. They also make heme and steroid hormones. They do a lot of different things. Mitochondria does a lot more than just make energy. But let's say for example you have a an industrious you have this cell and this cell has two factories in it. And one factory is working at 50% and the other factories are working at 50%. When they're getting food delivered to the factories, they can do no repair. The only thing they can do when they're getting delivered food, i.e. in a fed state, all they can do is process the food that they've been delivered. However, in a fasting state, the factory can then say, well, hang on a second, you, you're working at 50% and I'm working at 50%. Why don't I get rid of my bad 50%, you get rid of your bad 50% and we join together. And that's called mitophagy, where the, where the mitochondria come together. And that can only take place in, in a fasting uh, state. So in a fasting state, your factories, your mitochondria say, well, you're not doing your job out of here. this part is good, this part is good, let's fuse together. Or, this factory over here is working at 120%, let's chop you in half and make try to get two factories working at 100%. So this this fasting process allows you actually to build better factories in your cells. And those cells, factories, help that cell do whatever that cell is. So if that's a liver cell or a bone cell or a neuron cell or or a hair follicle cell, it makes it do its job better. So, in my opinion, fasting in, a, in the right approach can work very well. However, when you look at fasting, a lot of people see fasting as just a calorie restriction. In my opinion, I don't look at it that way. I look at it at a, at a, at a, at a time where the body can start to check on itself. It can rebuild itself. It can regenerate itself. But only if the factory has the right raw materials. If you're on a calorie deficient diet, or you're on a, a you know carnitine deficient diet, or if you're on a, a B12 deficient diet, that factory needs those nutrients to do its job. So for me, I, I get the good quality food in during my eating window and during my, my fasted window, I have all the, the nuts and bolts and raw material to build a better body. So it's not about, it's not about removal of food. It's about maximizing the time for repair, in my opinion, both from an autophagy point of view and a mitophagy point of view. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, is there such a thing as like too much of a good thing? Cause we know within certain populations, fasting can be pushed too far and ultimately result in some negative effects.
2: Well, I, I, any situation can be can be taken too far. For me, uh, Dr. Sasha Panda, he has a lot of research on, on intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding. Um, for me, I like four consecutive days in a row. The research is quite clear that four consecutive days in a row of any fasting um, approach We'll have the we'll have the, the up regulation of autophagy. Well I, I I break it over the weekends for most people. So what I might do is I might go Monday to Thursday intermittent fasting where they don't have, they finish dinner by five o'clock. Friday I, I give it to them off salary I give them to them off and then Sunday because they may have overindulged on a Saturday night I make them walk first thing in the morning, you know, to, to burn off any excess blood sugar in the bloodstream and then they don't eat till two o'clock on the Sunday and then they reset the next week. So I like to make all my intermittent fasting plans specific to the client. Or if you're traveling, one of the things I do for a lot of clients that travel is they fast for the whole day when they when they travel because they're stressed out about getting good food anyway. Chances are you can't get good you cannot get good food in the airport, even if you're, you're going business class or first class, it's very difficult to eat good food. So if I've had somebody fasting before and they're they're competent with it, well then I might give them a 24-hour fast or a full-day fast or an nomad. I'm not a big fan of OMA oh uh one meal a day methods where they eat the main meal at night time. I think it's too much for the digestive system. But if they are gonna be on a on a traveling airplane or multiple planes, they may only have breakfast that day and fast the following day, so I try to make the, the fasting protocol specific to the person, but never any longer do they see any negative effects, and I think you have to wean your way into it gradually wean people into it, if it's too stressful too soon I, um, I, I wean them in, and breakfast, every person that does intermittent fasting, ask them one meal, they skip, and they skip breakfast, that is the worst approach in my opinion, worst approach we have what's called Zeitgeber's zeitgebers are, are exterior or environmental influences on our own circadian clocks and our own circadian clock to liken it back to that factory we spoke about the clocks tell the factory when they should walk and when they should stop when they should open when they should close when they should burn fuel when they should do regeneration and if you're not consuming food at the start of the daytime your body's saying wake me up wake me up wake me up feed me feed me and then you're putting off that process to later on the, the daytime and in my opinion it, it interferes with sleep so i much prefer if someone is going to do intermittent fasting is to skip dinner that nighttime or stop eating earlier get the zeitgebers get the light exposure get the movement exposure get the food from from a metabolic point of view early on the daytime which allows you to sleep better at nighttime and that's the biggest issue i have when, when people come to see me with sleep they go to bed and they're wired but they're tired and they think by taking a bit of melatonin, they think about putting on their their, their biohacking glasses that they're going to get themselves to sleep. They're not. If you want to get a good night's sleep, a good night's sleep starts with a morning routine. And that routine has to have a, have a you know a hygiene for at least 14 days to reset your circadian clocks. The same way if you guys came over to Ireland here in a different time zone, you'd have to get used to it. And it takes a number of days to get over it. But people are walking around with social jet lag all the time and they just put up with it they're used to getting at 60 percent in the morning now it's 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 common and it's normal but it's not healthy and it's not optimal mm-hmm.
0: yeah we're really big fans of fasting for all of our long-haul travel including like when we went to thailand we had i think 30 hours of uh travel by the time we had left here and made it there so we had our dinner at our usual time here which is like 5 p.m and then um we did not eat until we were at the place in thailand and had breakfast because it's like it's the and then as long as you can stay awake that whole day we find it's pretty easy to flip over but unfortunately airlines aren't super helpful with that they try to serve people food at like two in the morning and four in the morning brown yeah. snack like it's just bizarre and i think in general a lot of people have to also get comfortable with hunger and hunger cues and readapt them because they've gotten used to overconsuming or taking hunger as like a dangerous thing.
2: Yeah. And this is the thing with leptin and ghrelin, these hormones for hunger and satiety. I don't think people are, are as in tune with their bodies as they think they actually are. Yes. You might feel a bit, a bit of hunger, but this is the thing. A lot of people in, today are carrying around excess weight than they need to when your body is feeling hungry the body has enough stored adipose tissue on your body to balance your blood sugar levels no problem no problem just because you feel a little bit hungry doesn't mean that you ha- you're you going to be catabolic you're going to break down and, I, and, th- and this is the thing even that word catabolic any any athlete out there is going to say oh catabolic is bad it's negative a lot the one number one reason why most people go to the gym is to burn fat burning something on your body is a catabolic process so people are going to their body going to the gym in 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 search for the catabolic effect it's, it's completely uh, he- healthy to break fat tissue down and get rid of it and and going a certain period of time without eating can be very beneficial for the body from an autophagy point of view from a blood sugar point of view from e- training yourself to be okay with that but sometimes people feel like jd mack if i don't eat in two hours I- I- i'm gonna die it's that's not the situation at all
1: Yeah, not even close. I always tell people, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, hunger is your best friend. Like when you get that hunger cue, you should be happy and you should try and prolong it as long as you can because that means your body's going to have to do some damn work to get rid of this fat you're trying to get rid of.
2: 100%. And this is the thing when I talk about calories to people. When you eat carbohydrates, the number one hormone that gets released to balance blood sugar is insulin. Insulin is a storage hormone. Once you spike insulin, you're storing, you're storing, you're not releasing. So the first thing people eat when they break it fast, in my opinion, should not be carbohydrate-filled at all. And the worst thing to eat in the morning is carbohydrates. You want your cortisol to be high in the morning, but if all you do is eat carbohydrates first thing, you're suppressing your cortisol and you're causing that cascade or that hormonal imbalance for the rest of the day. So I think people should feel comfortable enough with feeling hungry. It's okay to feel hungry, you know. The natural process, eating all the time is, is unnatural.
1: Absolutely. Um, one last little question here. I know you've mentioned melatonin supplementation. Um, you know, people just reach for that if sleep's an issue. Do you have any, and you've already said like not really a great call. Um, do you have any advice for shift workers and does melatonin play a factor then?
2: Okay, so first things first, in Ireland, melatonin is a drug. It's a prescription only. So we don't, I don't use it over here, but I do use it for clients that are outside of Ireland. So the first thing that I do when someone is a shift worker is they get a, a a light alarm clock. So when they're trying to wake up for the shift, they have a light alarm clock that wakes them up, and um, which is ideal. Second thing I give them, which is sounds silly, is they have sunglasses. They always drive home with sunglasses on. So very simply, I'm trying to surround them, and it's been shown that the rotation of shift work is actually worse to staying on it for a longer period of time. So I prefer someone to do a month of nights rather than a week of nights, a week of days, a week of nights, a week of days is actually worse. So a light alarm clock is number one. Second thing is um the the sunglasses on on the way home. Then I use contra- I use cold showers. Cold showers is also another, another very effective way of waking people up and winding them down. So they have a cold shower in the morning and a, and a they finish off on a cold shower in the morning and they finish off on a cold shower at night time to help them reset themselves into in the sleep a bit better. I also try to have the majority of the food in the first part of the day. So whatever that's going to be for that client, I like to have the majority of food in. 60 to 7% of the food I like to get in within the first six to seven hours of the daytime. I don't like people having too much food later on in the daytime, whether that be day or night time for this particular shift worker. And the melatonin can be very helpful. The only issue is melatonin can put people to sleep, but I found I find a lot of people get groggy from it. And don't get it. Don't get the same quality sleep from it. And um, so I, I try to build the routine is the best thing I can do. The routine with exercise, the routine with the showers, routine with the light exposure. Also, have you seen those Louvre lights, the Juve lights, uh, J double O double V, where you have a big red light uh beam that you can put on the back of your door they come in different sizes they're very beneficial
0: yeah yeah, yeah. sorry i do know what you're talking about i didn't know the brand name yeah
2: it's a a red red light therapy red light therapy yeah yeah. that's just the brand name and that that can work very 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 beneficial for a lot of people so within whatever's in that the person's comfort zone I, i try to put it in place but shift work in general is a it's terrible there's there's no no going around it i do like meditation apps i I use calm quite a lot i like progressive muscle relaxation that's very good but it's about the whole routine these things that try to get you sleep in five minutes after a big stressful day they don't work. you need to prepare your plan you need to build a sleep hygiene plan for someone and then implement it on a regular basis and that's the most effective rather than like, a, like magnesium, oil. I've never found to be magnesium to be effective on their own, nor melatonin. It's the whole routine. So shift workers, it's about the food. It's about light exposure. It's about cold exposure. And it's about maintaining a, a routine of of, a, of, a, of a, what's called a adenosine or process C to make sure you're higher in whatever you want is the daytime and then lower it down at nighttime
0: fantastic thank you um so Owen, oh, and we always have a few wrap-up questions and uh, right. the first one is what is the most impactful book you've read in the last year
2: okay the most impactful book i read in the last year on what topic nutrition business anything
0: anything it, you know what we've even had practitioners give fictional books so it's anything <laughs>
2: Okay, so well, I, 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 twofold. So the first one is I, I read a number of I read self-help books, nothing on earth. I try. To, I get through at least on average one book a week, if not two to three on Audible and all sorts. And one of the things about all these self-help books and personal development, positive psychology and mindset is they all work, but nobody follows it. All these plans, all these tips, they only work if you do them every single day. So I bought a number of books by a, by a man called Michael Hyatt, and um, his books are Live Your Best Year Yet, uh, Living Forward, there's loads of different books, but what he promotes is his diary, and I have his diary right in front of me here now, it's called The Full Focus Planner, and The Full Focus Planner, you, you get four of them every, every single year, so every three months you get a new diary, and in the diary is basically I list down my goals, why I want the goals, then I list down how I'm going to get the goals, then I list down um, my my end of year plan and I break it all down. But one of the things I like a lot is every single day I have three things that I need to get done. And then other jobs underneath that and then at the end of every week I we assess what i've done so for me whether it be getting the e-learning platform up and going whether it was to get my first two books on amazon which actually launched last night which i'm quite proud of so i set these goals but then i at the end of the week i do a review what worked well what didn't work well did i eat well this week did i not eat well did i exercise the four days i said i was gonna exercise or do my animal flow on, on the seafront did i do my run I actually did a run recently with a new trainer mask on. Have you ever ran with a trainer mask on? Yep. Oh my Oh my God! I did nine k. I thought I was going to die. People thought I looked like Bane out of Batman. <laughs> I, I was. Oh my God! I'm not built for running, but nine k with a trainer mask on was was interesting. But every week I try to do something a little bit differently. But having a, the diary keeps me accountable. And on my in the diary, one thing I really thought was was a game changer for me was I have a weekly plan. It's called my ideal week. And in my ideal week, I have how many clients I want to see, how many hours I'm going to study, when I'm going to go for my date night with my wife, when I'm going to go on a date night with my girlfriend. No, oh, joking, joking. Um, but, I, <laughs> I, but I, But I have my whole thing scheduled. I know it's silly, but I have family breakfast morning on a Sunday, which is happening much more now. But everything that I can control. So if you program yourself for success if you say to yourself I'm going to do the podcast today with the guys it's going to go very well I'm going to try to get information across and they can understand my fast speaking Irish accent or I'm going to get my two hours of study done on this topic and then I'm going to uh, connect with four of my trainer friends and see how they're getting on under a stressful environment Um, so again I just I think all the stuff that we all know. We all know this stuff. And as coaches, or either trainers or therapists, or nutritionists, it's the accountability that we need. It's the ongoing, it's the simple things done every single day. And for me, this diary, you can implement anything that you want in it, but it keeps you accountable. If you want to lose weight, want to be, if you're 100 kilos, you want to be 80 kilos. Well, then you have to act like an 80 kilo guy or girl and do the simple things every single day. You just to sleep well, you need to eat well, you to drink water, you to do your exercise. And for me, the, the full focus planner makes me accountable with myself. And it, it gives a structure to it. And don't get me wrong, I mess up a lot. There's a lot of times that I don't get stuff done. But then I say, well, why did I not do that? And what derailed me? And if, if derailing me was this, well, then I'm not going to go into that routine again. So it, it really highlights why you're performing and why you aren't performing. And, and it gives people, like, I've always been a pretty proactive person. But sometimes I, I like, I'm in the gym now one of my gyms close to my house because we're only allowed two kilometres from our house at the moment. So this gym is one kilometre away from my house. And I've been in the gym and I had lots of work to do. But I what I decided to do was paint the entire gym, paint the floor, move all the equipment, do all the maintenance. Now that didn't need to be done. I have enough stuff on my diary to need to do. But I procrastinated because I was sitting here and looking out going, this need this is an ideal time to do that. So sometime we can get dragged, dragged down a rabbit hole of doing something else. With something like this, it means that you're getting success every single day, every single week, and you're moving forward. And I, th- I think people don't mind the struggle once they see success. And once you see success, even a bit of it, it keeps keep you motivated to keep going. But these year-end plans, without being broken down, without simple things, I think, um, I think a diary is, is ideal. And it's a diary. Imagine that. Not on the phone. Wow.
1: Crazy! Something actual manual you have to write in. What a wild. Yeah, concept.
2: wow, yeah, yeah, wild concept.
0: Well, I've always had one, and my scheduler is always in paper, and I've had the same brand for years. And Dane finally got on that bandwagon this year.
2: <laughs> hope, hope you haven't read your diaries. I'm, I'm sure there's a few things in there about him but let's let's digress.
1: <laughs> yeah, some stuff in your diaries about your girlfriend um,
0: <laughs> that your wife might have a problem with.
1: Uh, <laughs> All right. So, what is your daily non-negotiable self-care tool? How do you take care of yourself? On
2: okay, so I, I I train every single day. So I do something every single day, whether it be I haven't done jiu-jitsu in a while, obviously because I'm I'm not allowed to um, train with anybody else. So I either lift weights every single day, or I do some sort of cardio, whether it be a run or maybe animal flow, or do something. I do saunas. I have my own flotation uh, unit. We have a business in the clinic that has a flotation tank. So I, I, I generally would use that once a week. I do at least one sauna a week. There's always something that I, I, I do. I ground myself every single morning. What else? I do my affirmations. So they're, they're non, this is the thing. They're non-negotiable. Like if, For example, when I get in my car, one of my rules is that I, I don't listen to any music in my car. When I get in my car, the only thing that plays is my audible account start off straight away so i don't so i, I sort of build in habits that, that are always there but i train every day i study every single day they're my they're my go-to i i had a rule that I, i'm not allowed study until i've done my my, my 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 study so i study first once i've done my study then i'm allowed to train so that's my non non-negotiable It has to happen
0: excellent we can resonate with a number of those um now, if you had five minutes with someone, what one singular thing would you try and impart to help them with their well-being?
2: Oh, So for me, decisions. People need to own their own decisions. Whether you're happy, whether you're healthy, that is down to your decision. I know I know people have genetic problems and, and serious medical conditions, and that's not something that they've they've decided to have. But where you are in life is one hundred percent one hundred percent down to, to decisions that you've made, and that's from Jack Canfield. That's not from me. But if you're unhappy in your job, change it. If you're unhappy with your fitness, change it. If you're unhappy with your weight, change it. You're in control. And and Charles Poligan had a great saying: "Is that you you, you feed yourself." People don't feed yourself for you. What goes into your mouth is your decision. Whether you decide to be part of that decision or not part of that decision, that is the decision. So people you know, end up eating all these biscuits and Ben and Jerry's and Chris watching television. And they're not involved in the process, but they are. They, they, they sort of distract themselves because they're watching television. So for me, take ownership. Take ownership of your health. Take ownership of your wealth. Take ownership of everything around you. You're in control of it. Nobody else is in control of it, you know. And nobody can make you feel a certain way but yourself. So we have a slogan on the wall. Take your health seriously or take it somewhere else. If someone isn't focused on getting themselves healthier or happier, well, then I'm not going to be able to help you. I'll motivate you, encourage you, and inspire you, and keep at you. But if you don't want it for yourself, well, that, then I can't want it for you. So people need to take onus of their own decision-making. And they're just there. Their results, their success is an accumulation of their constant decisions. And I'm, I'm talking, people talk for Ireland. They just talk and talk and talk. I'm not interested in talking. I'm interested in actions. Either act upon your decisions or you're not going to get anywhere. So for me, I like to say to people, it can be very simple and it can be very complicated. But it's all down to the decisions that you make. You can make this very complicated and do crazy workouts and crazy diets. But you're at the end of the day, you make the decisions you assess your decisions and then you can change them you, you're not under any control or any force by anybody else so i think people like to compartmentalize it focus the nutrition on the nutritions, and focus the training on the trainer and they don't feel like they're involved in it we have a rule in the gym it's called 2.9 so 2.9 means that if you train five days a week that only represents 2.9 percent of the week you can be a superstar in any gym Five hours a week, or 2.9 percent of the week, and get no results. It's what you do the other 97 percent of the week that's going to impact it. It's your decisions on your sleep, it's your decision on your alcohol, it's your decision on your water, it's your decision on your, your taking your vitamins. It's your decision on drinking proper food, not processed crap. It's your decision not to ring Uber Eats, or it's not your it's your decision not to go outside and walk after your meal. You know, so I think people just need to take ownership of the decisions. I know it might be a bit rough, but that's life.
0: No, we completely agree. And I mean, even within medical conditions, there are still choices that can be made. And um, that's something because I work with a lot of people within the hypermobility and EDS side of things where, you know, the, the label chronic is, you know, appropriate i suppose because it's how you've been built but even then like you just don't have to live in fear if you are it's because you know there are certain things you're not taking action on and again it it is rooted in decision and how we perceive things and how we move forward day to day
2: definitely and robert sapolsky is is a great researcher he read a paper from him yesterday and he said after five minutes of negative talk the person listening to your negative talk actually has atrophy in the hippocampus and their ability to manage stress goes down when they hear your stress. So let's say, for example, I, I rang my wife down the phone. And I said, hey, babe, what's going on? She'd know whether it was hungry, whether it was horny, whether it was happy, all by me just saying, hey, babe, so people don't realize that their attitude impacts so many other things. So, yes, shit hits the fan. People, it, it, sometimes there's a lot of stuff in, in, in the world that we can't change. But that doesn't mean you have to bring everybody else down all the time. And when we engage with people, when we talk to people, we're, we're in a position where we can make people feel happy. And um, one of the things in, in, in all my gyms, you're not allowed to talk about religion. You're not allowed to talk about politics in the gym. But that brings people down. And none of my cl- none of my trainers are allowed to ask their clients about work when they're in the gym they're in the gym for their their time they're focusing on them they're not bringing all the negative things in so there's a lot of negative activity going around but I think us as coaches and as trainers we can help people build up the resilience and the habits to you know get through the hard times but have that resilience to be able to enjoy the good times people are constantly focusing on the negative you have to have a bit of fun have a bit of crack you know get thrown out of filthy McNassies every now and again you know <laughs> you did damn straight <laughs> that's it well
1: honestly i think that's an amazing place to uh end this also one last thing owen where can people
2: find you and what projects are you working on so at the moment i have this new e-learning platform called ownlacyeducation.com. and um, i have a, a program on it there for professionals it's on interval training if you're training stress executives there's one on sleep and there's two books on for corporate wellness so how to improve Impact your wellness in, in the work environment, how to manage your work life balance, and also to get fit and healthy. And then I'm just working now on a new strength and conditioning book. So they're all going to be on, on on Lacey Education. And then you can see the gym. The gym is ISI Health on Instagram. You can see the gym. There's not much going on at the gym at the moment about our online coaching, but if you want to check out that, you can, you can see some more information there.
1: That's great, man, and we will link in all of that to
2: uh, the show notes here. Are you uh, are you on social media at all or anything like that? No, I'm personally, I'm not. But the, the company is OSI Health is what we have on Instagram. But that's one of my one of my uh, secrets to success is is not having any personal social media at all. I know I'm, I'm old school, but yeah my friends are the ones on my phone and the ones i see and not, not the ones on online that's
1: a great life choice you're and blessed
0: we firmly yeah. believe in that we uh <laughs> grew up without it and are quite happy to function without it but <laughs> business part
2: yeah yeah yeah. I, yeah business-wise i 100% agree with it but and my wife is on it all the time but for me it's just not um it's it's, it's not my passion so
0: yeah yeah absolutely well thank you so much owen um we really appreciate your time glad that this worked out and hope that we are all outside beyond a two kilometer radius of our houses interacting with humans and clients again soon
2: super stuff thanks so much guys and stay safe
1: yeah buddy you too and when you're back in toronto i'll make sure we both get kicked out of filthies one last time okay <laughs> well no problem guarantee that Guaranteed. all right buddy. <laughs> thanks everyone for tuning in we'll catch you next time on the move daily health podcast We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.